0: Welcome to this edition of The Expert View. I'm Harriet Wheelock, Keeper of Collections in the College of Physicians. And today we're going to be talking about Pause for a Poem, which was a project we ran during lockdown. I'm joined first by Dr. Liz Barrett, a child and adult liaison psychiatrist at Temple Street, who's one of the founders of Mind Reading. Nice to see you again, Liz. Um, Perhaps you could start off by telling everyone um, what it is that you do and where the idea behind Mind Reading came from.
1: Harry, thanks so much for having me. And I'm always delighted to talk about um, these lovely narrative and medicine projects. I'm a child and adolescent liaison psychiatrist sometimes people call that a psychological medicine specialist. So I suppose primarily, I specialize in people who have medical conditions and mental health difficulties relating to that or complicating that. So for example, if you have a long-term medical condition uh, and you also have depression or anxiety, you might be less inclined to say, take medication or you might experience uh, symptoms in in a different way. So COVID has been a really good, COVID-19 has been a good example of that. It's had a real impact on children with long-term medical conditions perhaps in a, in a slightly different way to to um, everybody else or to the general population. I've been interested in that overlap between physical health and mental health and how we experience illness and I suppose when I was abroad working as a fellow in London i worked with professionals from a range of academic disciplines at ucl and kings who were really interested in that area as well and i realized we were all interested in different facets of the same problems you know the experience of illness and what that was like so some professionals were using poetry as a way of thinking about that and were using writing groups and reflect practice groups and other professionals were using a more you know sort of hard, hard Hard science-based approach um, and I suppose we realized we had much more in common than you know our, there was much more that united us and separated us but sometimes it felt like we were speaking a different language and that's really where the idea of mind reading came from and um, that actually sometimes we can be talking about similar problems but approaching them in very different ways so in April at our CPI, I was really looking forward to hearing from historians and writers, and we had some really well-known authors who were going to speak from their work. You know, we're going to read from their work. We also had people with historical perspectives on experiences in paediatric hospitals. It was this really exciting, vibrant program, and of course, COVID nineteen came along, and it all had to be deferred. And I suppose one of the things we really wanted to do was. Um, Not let all of that thinking and that energy um, go to waste. So, um, we really wanted to do something online to keep people connected. And I think that was where um, you and the archive really came in. Um, And a lot of the people involved in the program have a background in poetry. And also, a lot of the clinicians who were involved um, talked about using poetry themselves in the face of the Sort of anxiety everyone was experiencing as COVID 19 um, was emerging. So I think a lot of people were talking about how, you know, they felt very anxious, it was difficult to read, and they were really finding poetry was a great source of solace and a way of reflecting. So we thought about having a, a pause for a poem project where clinicians um our allied health professionals our academics in the area would read a poem that they had found comforting or or thought-provoking um during the COVID 19 epidemic and there was a huge interest sort of pretty much immediately i think we floated the idea with people who were on the programme and I think you know most people immediately said yeah I'd love to get involved and do that and I have to say Harriet it wouldn't have happened without you and uh, persisting <laughs> and following up with people and getting them to send you audio files and make, making lovely videos and putting the musical accompaniments together with them so thank you so much for that.
0: And um, going back to pause for a poem what what have you particularly enjoyed about it has it been you know what what have you found the most interesting thing or perhaps the, the thing you weren't expecting to gain from it?
1: Oh, well, I guess personally, I, I love poetry. I always have. I had an amazing English teacher at school. Uh, shout out to Bani Kaneda, who was my favourite teacher. and. Um, I guess I got out some old, really old poetry books. Some of them, them I've had since school, and I reread some kind of favourites to, to find a few picks for the pause for a poem project. So I really enjoyed that. In fact, I found a junior cert English book um, amongst my poetry favourites, uh, so that was lovely. Um, I've really enjoyed. Um, the relevance of poetry, you know, poetry from the 16th, 17th, 18th century, and how fresh and relevant it seems today when you're reading it um, from the perspective of of pause for a poem. So I found that really fantastic. Um, and I've really been so amazed by the creativity of some people involved, you know, like Professor Chris Fitzpatrick, who has written several poems and been brave enough to read them and send them out in the world. And I have to say, I really admired that. Um, so that's been absolutely brilliant. And. Um, some of the poems I've heard have been new to me as well. Um, so I heard a few really um, gorgeous poems that I, I was unfamiliar with, and then I was prompted to go off and, you know, look online for poems by by the same authors. And I've, yeah. it's really been a lovely voyage of discovery. And I have to say, I know I was joking about this online, but I every every Tuesday when Pause for a Poem would come out, I'd be going, oh great, little surprise, some little treat has yeah. just arrived. and in my emails or on Twitter and I, you know, wouldn't know what to expect and I really, it was like a little gift every, you know, Tuesday in, yeah. the, in the latter half of the. and it did fulfil its, its exact aims of yeah. kind of pausing for a moment and reflecting and just enjoying um, yeah. the joy of poetry.
0: And if you had to pick a favourite from the uh, 50 poems that we included, um, would you be able to pick one?
1: It's really hard. I mean, I have to say, when I saw the project referenced in the Sunday Times sports section, I (laughs) laughed. That was Professor Fitzpatrick's poem uh, relating to football. And I thought that was wonderful. Um, But the one I really enjoyed, so Dr. Claire Hayes-Brady at UCD is a a long-term collaborator with the project. And she had one of the first poems she read was uh, she was reading with her children and it's a poem called a make-believe it's a really lovely one and one of her children giggles in the middle of the of the poem and i just thought that was delightful and again a real reminder of you know how reading with children can be so powerful
2: this is from a make-believe by george MacDonald. i will think as thinks the rabbit
3: let the wind chafe in the trees overhead we are quite safe in our dark yellow bed Let the rain pour, it never can bore a hole in our roof. It is waterproof, so is the cloak we always carry, we furry folk in sand hole or quarry. It is perfect bliss to lie in a nest so soft as this, all warmly dressed. No one to flurry you, no one to hurry you, no one to scurry you. Hold plenty to creep in, all day to sleep in, all night to roam in, grey dawn to run home in, and all the days and nights to come after, all the
0: tomorrows for hind legs and laughter. I'm now joined by Chris Fitzpatrick from the Coombe Hospital, who, as Liz mentioned, was one of the contributors to Paul's For a Poem. Chris, perhaps you could start by telling us uh, what you found so interesting about this project and why you decided to take part.
4: I suppose in terms of uh, why why I got involved in Paul's For a Poem, uh, I've always had an interest uh, in writing uh, and in reading and in the arts and, I suppose, the relationship with medicine. So it seemed kind of natural that I would, uh, first of all, enjoy the series and secondly, also want to participate. And I suppose, Harriet, the, our world turned turned upside down in a really short period of time. Yeah. And things that were very familiar to us suddenly became really unfamiliar. And I think that the uh, the series provided a space away from the torrent of COVID-19 and, and the, the 24-hour media stream to perhaps uh, uh, experience, and express an emotional response to this, and also to reflect. And in terms of what was going on, like a hospital that I worked, at, worked in for 25 years was suddenly an unfamiliar place. So there were red zones and green zones. Uh, there were big yellow notices uh, on the hospital. Uh, visitors disappeared out of the hospital. Uh, we were no longer having any social interaction as members of staff. So all our interaction was in relation to, I suppose, kind of uh, clinical discussions, clinical interactions. Uh, and and we were wearing PPE. We were listening to politicians like we'd never listened to them before. Uh, we were also listening to what Nefford were saying in relation to this crisis, and our language had changed completely. So I think that there was, under all of these circumstances, maybe there was a reason why some of us felt it was important to express our response and also to look for some space and quiet time in yeah. That we were, uh, work was really busy. So this only occupied a very, very tiny proportion of, of what we were doing. But I think that also it allowed us to, I suppose, express a different sensitivity we had to what was going on. So uh, I think uh, it's, I suppose, it's no wonder that some of us uh, sought to get involved and to listen, to pause for a poem. And so I suppose that's kind of an explanation in relation
0: to it. And you'd written poetry before, it was something you'd done before, and you just sort of...
4: I've always had an interest in, in writing and in reading, and, and and I've written things before, And but this was very different because this was kind of writing live. So because you didn't have much time, uh, uh, that what was written, and I think what was read, decisions were made very quickly to do it. It wasn't a very ponderous activity, yeah. and you couldn't afford the time so that was a different experience so you weren't kind of editing and spending time wondering about what words that you would maybe more appropriately use in a different circumstance Mm. so uh, so it was a really different experience and i think being a doctor in fact you know made the experience different and i'm sure as we go through this we will see the emergence of i suppose kind of the experience of those who are more directly involved particularly those who are sick uh, those uh, who kind of suffered bereavements and uh, those who had very kind of tumultuous emotional experiences during this time and one can only imagine uh, what they will write or want to express in relation to this yeah
0: great and if i could uh make you choose from one of the 50 poems which do you think okay. sort of well, i'm gonna say i'm
4: gonna i'm gonna say uh, I suppose the poem, if you asked me to select a poem, and it's not because I was involved in it, it was actually because of the fact that it represented the direct experience of somebody on the front line. So, uh, Professor Mary Horgan, President of the RCPI, she was very much uh, the person who led out on the RCPI's response uh, to uh, the pandemic. Uh, And within a short period of time of events unfolding and lockdown happening, she, uh, she Uh, expressed her experience of what it was like going back into Cork University Hospital uh, as events were unfolding. And and this was a time of great uncertainty, a time of great vulnerability. Uh, The information was coming through still, the scientific responses being developed. Uh, and, and it was a very alien environment. It's based on one conversation and two emails. So basically, it was written, uh, uh, not very much time was devoted to writing it. The, the, it's written in a Heiku form, which has got a kind of a, a, a fixed syllable count per line, and the lines are in triplets. So it's really compressed, uh, and it was written, written without revision. If I was to pick one poem, and it's not because of my involvement in it, it's yeah. because of the fact that I've expressed the direct experience of somebody else, yeah. uh, I would say, on Returning to the front line."
2: So on Returning to the Frontline. First day I'm at home in these trenches. Welcome back, comrades, say through mass on this front line all our troops and casualties my patient could be me no time to dwell just stick to the rules protect your patient and yourself i don and doff the ppe a trainee shows me she has my back no hierarchy work as one here together but socially apart no visitors just patience enough, we quickly acclimatise here. Trusted wisdoms no longer apply, we learn fast and share everything. Isolation brings fear, in ICU, at home, we are all with you. Once we took an oath to heal pain and suffering, this is what we do. Between the lungs, on chest x-rays, CAT scans, we see a loved one's heart. Surreal comes nowhere near. I struggle to find words like everyone does. Everywhere I look I see determination. We will get through this. As I write this down, Aer Lingus crews overhead fly the flag for us.
0: Okay, I'm now joined by uh, Professor Gay Canaan, Director of Health and Wellbeing in the College of Physicians. Um, Gay, thank you very much for agreeing to talk with me today. Um, I just wanted to ask you, I guess, why you chose to get involved in Pause for a Poem and why do you think this kind of project can be helpful for, for people, you know, relating to your interest in health and well-being?
3: Sure. I thought
0: that Pause for a Poem,
3: I even liked the title, but I thought it was a wonderful idea because I think particularly at the beginning of the uh, lockdown and the COVID um, pandemic, it was very scary for a lot of people and it really occupied all of our thoughts, all of our conversations, whether we were at work or we were at home, it was all about COVID. And pause for a poem was literally a pause and a chance to do something different and a chance to reflect. In health and wellbeing we really encouraged reflection and this was an ideal way to do that. Um, so I think we need to get away from the sense of reality and also recognise that it's actually in the little things that we get a sense of peace. Yeah. Um, I also liked the fact that it actually gave me insight into some of my colleagues, um, colleagues I didn't know. Um, so I enjoyed Elizabeth Barrett's poems. I enjoyed Chris Fitzpatrick's poems. I really enjoyed all the contributions of everybody. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing that strikes me is that as doctors were quite poor at reflection and very poor at express, expressing emotion. And I think poetry allows us maybe to express emotion a little bit better and to recognise maybe sadness in a creative sort of way um, and also happiness in a creative sort of way. So I think it gives us voice where we sometimes don't have a voice.
0: Yeah, And you submitted a poem that you'd written yourself. Is, is poetry something that you've written before? Was it something that you took up during COVID or...?
3: So I've always enjoyed writing, but uh, the problem with medicine, I suppose, is it takes over our lives and uh, gives us very little chance for creativity. So uh, over the last few years, I've tried to be a little bit more creative and tried to make space in my life for that. Um, So, for example, I like getting up early in the morning and, uh, you know, maybe half five, six, uh, before the the rush begins, and that's the time where I find that I'm most creative. There's something about the beauty of the morning, the birds waking up, um, the peace that's there, and um, I think, uh, and poetry also, I feel, gives me that expression that I need, that, that You know, it's not necessarily a conversation that you can have worrying about COVID or worrying about the future, but you can write it in a poem and people can get that and it can then generate the conversations that we all really need to have.
0: Would you have suggestions if anyone listening thought it might be something that they'd like to take up or just, I guess, to encourage them to maybe express themselves in different ways?
3: I definitely think so. I think that we all have that creative spirit inside us. And it's really a question of listening to it. Because if we rush uh, around in our usual daily lives, there's literally no space for it. So I think I would strongly encourage people to take even five minutes in their day. Um, To me, the morning is the best time because it's the quietest time, but maybe some people are better at the evening. But I think just listening to that inner voice, because if you don't listen to it, you won't even recognize that it's there. But I think we're all poets, we're all writers, we're all able to express ourselves. Um, And I would strongly encourage anyone just to write down what they think. And sometimes what you write down is just for yourself. um, And sometimes then it just... I think sometimes poems write themselves. I felt that that poem that I submitted just wrote itself. I didn't really participate in it. The ideas just kind of flowed through me. And there is a a feeling amongst writers that none of us are really responsible for any of the ideas um, that we have. It's just the ideas are out there in the universe and they're looking for a conduit in order to get them down and out into the the minds of people. So I suppose in some ways, it's a privilege to be able to uh, express um, uh, words in writing and to have them appeal to other people.
0: That's lovely. And is there, are there particular highlights from the, the poems that you listened to over the, the 50 poems? Is there perhaps one or two that you would, maybe you didn't know or ones that you did know and had forgotten about? Um, I enjoyed uh,
3: many of the uh, poems from the past that reminded me of, of school, uh, of, of my school days and the chance that we had then to really dissect poems and think about them. Um, I enjoyed um, Daddy Fell into the Pond because it made me laugh yeah. and I think that poems don't have to be serious, there can be a hilarity about them as well. Yeah. I think the, the beauty of poems is really that you're confined in terms of words so you can't, you can't use too many words but I think, I think there's, the, the, there's no limit in, to, in, in terms of what you can do with poems and I, it, it was that hilarity that really struck me about that poem.
0: And do you have other um, poetry projects ongoing or is it? I do. So
3: I like writing. So I constantly write. Um, so I, I try to write every day. Um, at the moment, I'm working on a, a novel that I've been talking about for quite a long time. <laughs> um, and I suppose that that is that even though it's complete fiction, it's I suppose I'm using ideas that I and experiences that I've had, and again I find there's a huge relief in, in writing down how I feel. So I write poetry, I write short stories, and um, as I say, I'm, I'm writing this novel. So I hope that uh, I will finish it sooner rather than later. <laughs> and I I just want I don't really want it to be a bestseller. I just want it on my shelf, just one copy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you very much for talking to us, Gay, and for um, taking part in Pause for a Poem. Um, And I hope we will talk again soon. And we're going to end today's podcast by listening to Gay's favourite poem, Daddy Fell Into the Pond. Daddy Fell Into the Pond by Alfred Noyes. Everyone grumbled the sky was grey. We had nothing to do and nothing to say. We were nearing the end of a dismal day. And then there seemed to be nothing beyond. Then Daddy fell into the pond. And everyone's face grew merry and bright, and Timothy danced for sheer delight. Give me the camera, quick, oh quick, he's crawling out of the duckweed, click. Then the gardener suddenly slapped his knees and doubled up, shaking silently. And the ducks all quacked as if they were daft, and it sounded as if the old drake laughed. Oh, there wasn't a thing that didn't respond when Daddy fell into the pond.